Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord God. Father, we magnify your name. We give you all praise, all glory, and all honor, Lord. We're not here for ourselves, Lord. We're here to give back to you, Lord. Uh, when we come to church, Lord, we come to be filled up so that we can give back to others, Lord, and we come to give you praise and glory, Lord. I pray, Lord, that the words that are spoken here today will be words that uh, you would want me to say, Lord. Uh, and the other, word, the other speakers that are coming, Lord, I pray, Lord, that your, your word would flow through them as well, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, Lord, and I pray, Lord, that uh, the message that we have here today would be given in love, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, so um, as we were preparing for uh, the D2L takeover, uh, it was about eight weeks of preparation, um, six weeks of the students putting in work. So it was a lot of work, and and, um, I had prepared a message on um, unity and love and trying to connect generations, and I worked on that that for about four weeks. And what was really crazy, it's really funny how God works— as I'm getting closer, right around Wednesday, um, I felt in my spirit, God said, listen, that's a great message, but that's not the message I want you to say. And I was like, what? I was like, why are you doing this to me on Wednesday? Like, I'm ready to go. I got my PowerPoint ready. I got, you know, my presentation ready to go. And he said, no, I want you to speak on something else. And so when I, when I, whenever I hear God speak to my spirit, I really try to be receptive of that. And I really try to... Um, you know, respect that and, 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 and do what he wants me to do. I, I don't want to ignore it. So, um, so that being said, um, I hope you all still love me after today's message. Um, we, have a, we have a secondary speaker who can come up and, and uh, bring the love. <laughs> bring the love. Uh, so as I was praying, like I said, God, God was revealing some things to me. Um, and I believe when he's re- revealing things to me, um, about myself. It's not just for me. Um, I believe that he, he wants me to speak those things to the youth and to other people. So uh, I believe if I'm struggling with something, I'm not the only one. Um, so I, I have here, uh, there's many in this church that have been battling bondage for years. And they've been carrying the weight of the chain of that bondage. When you don't have to. Depression. Sickness. Addiction. Bitterness. Anger. Lust. Weakness. Tradition. Security. Disease. Offense. Poverty. And lack. This is bondage God does not want you to carry. These are things God does not want us to have. See, there's many more forms of bondage, but that's just a small window of things that uh, can hold you captive and keep you in bondage and keep you in chains. Uh, I may have labeled some of the things that may be, uh, you know, coming against people. I may not have. Um, but you know the things inside of you that are holding you back. You know, if you sit back and you analyze your heart, you'll know the things that God has spoken to you. For me, for 20 years, God was telling me to get up early in the morning and read your Bible. So for 20 years, I didn't do that. I'd read my Bible, 
I read it, you know, I would get up, I would go about my day, I'd read it at lunchtime, I'd read it at night. But God was telling me to read my Bible in the morning. And he came to me recently, about nine months ago, and he said, you've been sinning for 20 years. And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, I told you 20 years ago to read your Bible in the morning. Get up. And so I started to do that, and I, and I saw things change slowly. And I believe that if he was speaking something to me 20 years ago, that I'm pretty sure he was speaking something to all of you 20 years ago as well. And the problem is, my phone just went off. The problem is, we think if we're good, we don't have to do what God wants us to do in that area. But we'll save that for, for a little bit later. How many of you know Jesus came to break chains? In Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 and 2, you can throw that up. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable Lord of the year. Listen, 2020 is a year of jubilee. 2020, it's, it's literally a year of jubilee. If you go back and look at the year of jubilees, 2020 is a year of jubilee. You're supposed to be free. God wants to break those chains that have been plaguing some of you for an entire lifetime. I believe now is the time. But if you don't take hold of it, those chains will never be broken. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, Now, I need you to bear with me because I have a lot of scriptures to cover. I have a very short amount of time. Um, However, I think we can get through it together. All right? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. How many of you accepted Jesus Christ into your life as your personal Lord and Savior? The Spirit of the Lord is there. Right here, inside of you. So therefore, if the Spirit of the Lord is inside of you, there is freedom. But why is it that some experience freedom and others don't? I believe because the Word of God says in Romans chapter 2, it says, For God does not show favoritism. So if He's going to give me freedom, then He's going to give you freedom. See, I would look at people and I would almost be envious of the freedom that they had in their life. I would see myself in bondage, especially physical bondage. I would see myself in a physical bondage and I would say, why would you do it for someone else and not me? And he said, I didn't. I did it for everyone. I did it for all. But some are more willing to grab a hold of it while others don't. Some are more willing to go ahead and take that, to step out. And do the unthinkable. Do the opposite of what the world says. Because God's thinking is different than the world's thinking. It's us. You see, if we look at our our circumstances in our life and they don't look free, then we say we're not free. Think about it. I've been smoking cigarettes for 20 years. I I personally have not been smoking cigarettes for 20 years. I, I... I did smoke cigarettes 20 years ago, but I've been free for 20 years. But I've been smoking cigarettes for 20 years, but yet I can't overcome it. I still smoke every day. I smoke a pack a day, right? But yet you see that and you still say, listen, I'm in bondage to cigarettes. No, you're not. You just haven't stepped into what God has for you yet. Come on. 
Come on. Listen, I also believe, I also believe that we are the number one reason that we are not free. God already set you free. He already set you free. I'm going to get into that, but James chapter 1, it says, But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. See, we like to blame everybody else. We want to say, oh, you know, the devil made me do it. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that he was enticed by his own lust. Come on now. There's many times that you guys are out there and and, and you're doing things in your life and you're saying, you know, I can't stop this. No, you can't. It's your own lust that's enticing you. It says, and then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. See, sometimes we wonder why people die. We don't know what's happening in someone's life. God always speaks to the hearts of men. Always. From the beginning of time, he speaks to the hearts of men. So if he's saying something to one, he's definitely saying it to someone else. Come on now. Come on now. Listen, when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. If you're wondering why your body feels like it's dying, don't be deceived, my brothers. Come on. Don't be deceived. See, we're deceiving our own selves. The devil gets way too much credit. Way too much credit. We're over here telling us, oh, well, you know, the devil. No, come on, man. You did it. You did it, and you enticed your own self. Come on. Come on. We get dragged away by our own desires. You see, we pick up chains that don't belong to us. And then we wonder why we're carrying around the weight of the world when we weren't designed to carry the weight of the world. You see, hmm. listen, think about it this way. Think about it like this, right? You get a chain tied around your ankle, right? With a big ball on the end of it. And you're dragging it around. You know, it's back there. And you're dragging it, boom. And you're like, yo, why is my leg hurting? Oh, man, my hip's starting to hurt. My back's starting to hurt. Why do I have all these problems in my life? You know what? It'll be better for me if I pick up the chain and throw it over my shoulder. Right? It's better for me. It's easier for me. So now I can carry this chain. And I can do what I need to do. I can go through my day. I've listened to what the doctor said. Listen. I I believe the doctor's reports, so I carry that chain. I believe what people said about me when I was a kid, so I carry that chain. I believe the past hurts, so I carry that chain. Because it's easier than dragging it around. So I put it on my shoulder. Past defeats in past relationships, I carry that around and throw it on my shoulder. I never got that promotion at work. I carry that around, I throw it on my shoulder. I never got that toy as a kid. I carry that past hurt and I throw it on my shoulder. And then Jesus comes along, you get saved, then Jesus comes along with the bolt cutters and he cuts the chain, right? And he busts the chain off your ankle. But guess what? You're still carrying the chains. 
Just because he cut the chain doesn't mean you put the chain down. Now think about it for a second. How many of us are carrying around past hurts, past things, past traditions, things that you just, that just shouldn't be there. We're carrying them around because we haven't made a conscious decision to put those things down. Come on. Come on. God's people need to rise up. They need to rise up. Take the chains off. Take the chains off. Hmm. See, Galatians chapter 5. It said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Oh, this is what happens. This is what happens. We, we take off the chain. Boom. God cuts it. I, Jesus cuts it. Boom. We take off the chain. We lay it down. And then we say, you know what? Something doesn't feel right. I think I'm going to pick that thing back up again because I'm used to having that weight on my shoulders. There's many of you in this room that have been carrying around the weight and have not seen the freedom because you're not making the conscious decision to put down the chains. The Bible says, pick up your cross daily. I didn't understand that until about nine months ago. I didn't understand what picking up your cross meant. I mean, I knew what it meant in theory. But if you're not doing something difficult every day, for the word of God or for God, something difficult. Like I have on my board downstairs, pray for one hour a day. Oh my gosh. One hour was like, might as well have been 24 hours. I mean, it was a week. I'm not even kidding you. One hour was like a long time. Like I might've prayed for an hour throughout the day, you know, like you know, pray over my food, like, Lord, help me, you know, on this test or whatever, like, you know what I mean? But specifically getting up and praying for an hour. God has told you what you should do. And for every person in this room, it's probably different. Okay. It may be for one, you're supposed to pray. It may be for one, you're supposed to pray for somebody else. It may be for one who knows, but you know, And the problem is, we have a tendency to say, ah, I'll do that later. God's telling you, stop picking up those chains. Now's the time to stand firm. Are you hearing me, church? Now's the time to stand up and stand firm. That's what we're supposed to do. If Christ set you free, stand up. If you don't know what else to do, the Bible says stand. Stand. Don't sit. Don't sit in these nice comfy chairs. Stand. There's something for you to do. One of the things that I've, God's been working on me with is if you see a problem in the church, that's because God is telling you to fulfill that purpose. Y'all don't want to hear it. I knew that's why the next one coming up is bringing love. That's why. Because listen, there's needs that need to be met. I didn't realize the, how much goes into a church service. There's needs that need to be met. And if you don't like something, you're the one God's calling to get it done. The Bible says, uh, Sophia, what am I doing on time? I'm good? Okay. 
uh, the Bible says, do not let yourself be burdened again. Guys, you're burdening yourselves. I, I, this was a hard message for me. Listen, in 2016, I, well, back, way back when, 2013, I was diagnosed with a disease. I'm not even going to get into it too much, but I accepted it right away. But in 2016, October 25th, 2016, the Lord came to me and he said, why do you keep saying I have a disease as if I can't heal you? He said, I want you to start treating it like an injury. And from that point on, I never said I had a disease again. I only said I need to rehab, I need stuff to do. I would talk to doctors' uh, reports, but as time went on, I realized I shouldn't even say that anymore. I decided that I wasn't going to pick up the chain again. And listen, it took three, almost four years before I actually saw God working in my life. But it was the dedication of doing it when you didn't see any results. Far too often, far too often, we want to see the results to know God's working in our life. And God's saying, I want to know, I want to see you working so I can show you the results. Come on, come on. Listen, second, uh, first Corinthians 10. Yeah. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify or build up. Guys, you can do whatever you want. No one's going to tell you you can't. But not all things are going to profit you. And you wonder why you have no money in the bank because you're not doing things that are profiting you. And you wonder why you have nothing in your spiritual bank. Because you're not doing anything that will profit you. Do you hear? Come on. Step into the destiny God has for your life. Listen, it's important for us to make a conscious decision. Be more thoughtful throughout your day. Have God on the forefront in your mind. Listen, put him on the forefront. If you pick up your, if you wake up in the morning... And the first thing you do is roll over on your phone and you go to Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, Snap. If you're doing any of that first, God is not consciously on your mind. He is not the first thing on your mind. God wants us, he wants to be first. I roll out of bed now and I pull out my Bible. I, I read at least one scripture and then I, then I start my day and then I, I do whatever I got to do. But I make sure I get it in. I make sure I get it in. That's how you're going to see changes. Listen, I would listen to Pastor John tell me that. And I, and I was like, yeah, 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 that's for everybody else. It wasn't until I realized, I said, if I want changes in my life, I got to do the things I know that Pastor John has been teaching me. I got to do those things. Listen, you want change in your life, you got to do the, you got to put the work in. You have to put the work in. I think about it like this. I was going to use a basketball analogy, but I didn't really play basketball. My game, my basketball game is really bad. <laughs> so I guess I'll, I'll use, I was a coach, a baseball coach, and I coached um, little kids. We won, we won four championships. Boom. I'm just saying. So I, I, what I would do is I would, take, I would take kids, if they could throw hard, they would be my pitcher. It didn't matter if they threw over the side. didn't matter if they threw over the heads because I could work with them and I could get them in a little tiny zone. But if they could throw hard, I couldn't teach that. 
But one of the things that I would teach a kid, right, is when you line up, you line up like this with the ball, and that you lift your leg up, and then you come, and then you throw. But you don't just throw right there and stop. You don't just stop. Boom. When you throw, you come, and you follow through. You know why? Because you're going to get more power. You see what the problem is in you guys' life? Not you, personally. But the problem is, in a lot of Christians' lives, is there's no follow-through. There's no power. It's the follow-through, right? It's the follow-through. We're lacking the follow-through. If 20 years in your life have gone by and you're doing the same thing you did 20 years ago, there's no follow-through. Come on. I'm going to close soon, I think. Yeah, I'm going to close soon. First uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 9 says, Resist him. Stand firm in your faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Stop acting like you're the only one going through something. Man, I remember when I was going through some stuff, some real stuff, I literally was like, I'm the only one that could ever understand the pain that I'm going through. And that wasn't true. There's people going through the same thing. But guess what? They're overcoming. Why aren't you? Come on. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is going through the same sufferings that you're going through. Come on now. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. This is a tough one. Test yourself to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourself. Or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail that test? I, I question if some people are truly saved. I'm not allowed to judge people, but I can judge their fruit. And I, I question. Test yourself. We got to look at ourselves. We got to look at our own hearts and say, yeah, what, what can I change? I, I need to stop looking at my wife and praying that God will change her. I said, God, change me to like the thing I can't stand. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Test yourself. We need to get to that point in our life where we're testing ourselves. What does God want from us? Listen, God would chirp in my ear very quietly, get up, get up. And I'd be like, ah, I don't like getting up. If anybody knows me, I don't like getting up. I really don't. I mean, we went to camp. I was like, don't talk to me for like an hour in the morning. And I do not like getting up in the morning. And I know that if I don't get up, then that's the end of my life. So I get up. You know what I'm saying? But listen, God's been chirping something inside of your heart. Each and every one of you in this room knows who you are. And God's been chirping something inside your heart, and he's saying, listen, when are you going to step into the destiny I have for you? Are you going to wait until you die? And then you're going to get there, and he's going to say, well done, you lazy, slothful servant. I had to get somebody else to do the job. Thanks for making it. You have a seat over there. Like, no. No, I don't want that. 
I don't want that. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. You see, we like to blame. We like to look at other people. We like to point fingers. We like to say, you know, I don't have the time. I couldn't make it. I, you know, I really, I really couldn't find the time to get to church. I really couldn't find the time to read my Bible. I really, whatever the excuse may be. But in reality, you're not God in your heart. Because the issues you have in your life only stemmed from you, not God in your heart. And that was a tough pill for me to swallow. When I woke up one morning and thought I had a stroke because my body had failed me, I realized later on that it was because I let my guard down. And I allowed the enemy to come in, and I allowed him to speak to me through doctors, telling me that you would never walk straight again. You would never be healed. You will always have this disease. I allowed those things to creep into my heart. How many of you are are allowing things to creep inside of your heart? It's your job. It's not Pastor John's job to guard your heart. It's not your mom's job to guard your heart. It's not your wife's job to guard your heart. It's your job to guard your own heart. So when you're doing something you know you shouldn't be doing, you're not guarding your heart. When you're saying something you shouldn't be saying, you're not guarding your heart. When you're not saying something you should be saying, you're not guarding your heart. All right, I, that, that's, I'm going to end with that. Thank you. Oh. I got you. I'm on. Oh yeah, all right. All right. So somehow, hello. Okay. Sometime I'm somehow I'm supposed to bring the love, but uh, you raised me, so I don't know how I'm gonna do that. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna do my best. All right. So um, it's funny how God works because when I was trying to come up with something, at first I couldn't, and then every time I laid down at night. God gave me something. He gave me like one word and I had to write it down. And then he gave me another word and I had to write it down. And I'm just like, really, God? Like, I'm trying to sleep. Like, every time I close my eyes, I'd be like sleeping like a baby. And then God would be like, wait, you got to write this down. But um, the main thing, the main point I want to get across is not to let your circumstance determine your destination. And what I mean by that is don't let the things in your life, the, the mistakes, the things that held you back before determine where, you, where God's calling you to. Because I feel like so many times we get caught up in, in the things in our life that happen or the mistakes that we made or certain things that just happen along the way and they get us to step away from our call. But God wants us to stay, stay on the path no matter what, through the circumstance, through everything, stay on the path. So um, I just wanted to share this story. So I was, at, um, I was at work and I feel like, this isn't even part of my message, but I feel like I'm always in I'm. I'm always in a rush to get out of work. Like, I work a nine-hour shift, and I'll be like, I just want to go. I just want to go home. So I'll leave, like, two minutes early, one minute early. I'll clock out, and I, and I, and I realize that I miss out on opportunities. And this, this wasn't even in my message, but, like, I feel like just as people, we're always in a rush. Can you just look to your neighbor and be like, chill, just slow down, like, chill. It's not that serious. It's, it's okay. You can stay the extra minute at work. So, um, so... 
there was one day, and I was about to, I was about to walk out, and I make. I make paint. That's what I do. I mix paint. That's my job. So I just, I get so bored. I'm like, okay, put it underneath the machine, make it. Okay. So um, a customer came in and I was, on, I was on my way out and I saw her come up to the desk. And then I, I, I walked back. This is the first, one of the first times I've actually stayed the full, <laughs> the full shift because usually there's no customers coming into the Home Depot at like nine, 10 o'clock, whatever. So I, I went over to her and she was just talking to me. And she just she asked for prayer, and I realized in that situation that there's so there's so many time, so many things that we miss out on because we're such, we're in such a rush, and that wasn't even part of my message, but I just thought I'd give you that. So the title of my message is recognizing the tactics of the enemy, and uh, there's three tactics mainly that I want to talk about, but I'm not going to give you them yet. So make sure you're paying attention. The first one is offense. I feel like offense is something that, that holds us all back at times. I feel like there's so, like, there's so many things in the church, and I, the, you can get offended so easily, but don't let yourself get offended. That's the thing. You can be hurt, and then you can talk about it, and then you can, you can find the healing instead of just harboring that offense. Because I feel like so many times we're so focused on what somebody said to us, or I feel like a lot of the time they don't even mean it. Like there, there'll be times. There was actually a time this week that I I struggled with offense, and and I realized like I don't, they didn't even mean it. I didn't even need to get offended. I and, and I realized I wasn't offended. I was hurt, and then I talked about it, and I felt better. And I feel like that's something we need to realize because if we just hold on to that offense and just let it just rule our life, then we'll never we'll never feel peace. So um, one of the things that I wrote down that I feel like can get you offended is when you're doing something, maybe it's at your job, maybe it's at church, maybe it's just anywhere, and you just feel like nobody notices, nobody sees what you're doing, nobody knows that you're, you're, you're doing, you might be doing more than, the, than me standing up here playing, me standing up here preaching, but nobody notices. And um, I just got this visual of, of your heart. Your heart keeps you alive. Your heart pumps every day, but we don't notice it all the time. We're not looking at our heart. We don't see our heart. You, you, see, you see my hands moving. You see my feet walking, but you don't see my heart, but it's the most important thing. And you might be behind the scenes, but if we, if we take ourselves out of the equation, then we won't even be worried about the offense. We won't even be worried about the pain because we'll be so focused on him, it won't even matter. So don't allow offense to creep in, but how do we do that? Two things I wrote, love and forgiveness. And um, there's a scripture that says, in Proverbs 10, 12, it says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. And whenever I see but love, I like to swap it out with but God, because God is love. So hatred stirs up strife, but God covers all offenses. Don't give the devil a foothold. It says in Ephesians uh, 427 it says and do not give the devil a foothold I feel like so many times we just if we're holding on to that one thing then that the enemy has something to grab he has something to hold on to um, I don't have this written down but in the uh, Bible Jesus says get behind me Satan and I think so many times we tell the devil to get behind us we say get behind us but then we turn around and start walking the other way and then the devil's then we're walking with him we can tell the devil to get behind us, but if we turn back and we look the other direction, we're going to be walking right with him. So uh, 2 Corinthians 
2. It's verses uh, 10 through 11, if you can open up to that. It says, um, But one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for the sakes of the presence of Christ, so that no advantage will be taken of us, but Satan, for we are, no, uh, for, for we are no, not ignorant of his schemes. So I just want to focus on that last part where he says, so that no advantage will be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. I feel like we, we give Satan the advantage when we're offended. We give Satan the advantage when we, when we think about stuff, when we hold on to it. And when Satan has the advantage, then he, he rules over our life. He makes a step outside of our call. I feel like this offense is one of the number one things that gets us to step outside of the church, gets us to step outside of the call. But God is calling us to a different level. The second thing I wanted to talk about is fear. I feel like fear is a big one. Um, there's so many times in my life that I wanted to do something, but I didn't because I was afraid. I wanted to go on the roller coaster with my friends, but I didn't because I was afraid. I wanted, if I was afraid, if I gave in to my fear every time, I wouldn't be up here right now. And I think that's so, many, that's so important because when, we're, when we have something that God's called us to do and we just step out of it and we're afraid, then God can't bring us to that level. He can't bring us to step into our call. Some of the fears you might have, of fears of what others might think, fear of not having the ability, afraid of the commitment, afraid of being uncomfortable, of fear can be crippling. God has never called us some, to something and not giving us the tools to fulfill the call. And I think that's something we forget. I think we, we get so caught up in what we were called to do, and we're so afraid, and we think we can't do it, but God's always with us. If God's called you to something, he's always going to be with you. Jesus is one of the people in the Bible who had to step outside of his comfort zone. He, he, he was afraid. We think, oh, he's Jesus, he's God. He's never afraid, but Jesus is afraid. And I, want, I wanted to really focus on this. Luke 22, 39 through 43. Is it up there? There we go. It's, it's, it's kind of long, but not too much. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not by my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. So I think so many times that I read this, I got so caught up in the, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not by my will, but your will, that I forgot about the angel that came and strengthened him. I think so many times we get caught up in, in, in focusing on what we're supposed to do and the fear of it and not realizing that God's given us the strength to do it. It says the angel came and strengthened Jesus. The angel came and strengthened him. And I think if we're so focused on not having the ability, or we're so focused on, then we're never going to fulfill the call. But God, when we pray to him, we're, sometimes we don't always get the answer we want. Sometimes we don't always get told, oh, sometimes if we pray to God and we ask him to, to remove the call from us, but he's given us the strength to do it. And I think that's so amazing. The Bible says, fear not, over 80 times. And, Jesus, and, and the Bible wouldn't say this if it wasn't important, if we, if we didn't need to fear not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, when we're afraid, it prevents miracles from happening in our life. So um, turn over to Mark 5, 35 through 42. This is a long one, so I'm going to try to break it down the best I can. 
It says, while he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue official saying, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? But Jesus overhearing what was being spoken said to the synagogue official, do not be afraid any longer, only believe. And I think that's so important right there. You could stop right there because he's telling us, do not be afraid, only believe. But how hard is that? How, why is it so hard for us to believe? So he said, and he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the synagogue official, and he saw a commotion and people loudly weeping and wailing and entering in. He said to them, why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died but is asleep. They began laughing at him, but putting them all out, he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was. Talking to the chi- taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha, come, which translated, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl got up and began to walk, for she was 12 years old, and immediately they were completely astounded. So first you got the people gossiping about it, and they're, they're talking about it, and they don't believe. And then Jesus comes to the, the place to heal the girl, and then they don't believe again, and they're laughing at him and mocking him. And then he tells them to get out. Because sometimes when there's unbelief in your life, you have to tell it to get out. You have to tell it to leave. Because if, if, you're, if you're harboring unbelief, you're never going to see the miracles. And the last one is past. So I feel like past... You could talk about that for a while because I feel like past is so general. There's so many things that have held us back. There's so many things that have made us just look in the opposite direction or step outside of our call, whether it's um, a situation that happened to your life, whether it's past hurt, whether it's you, you lost something, but it's, it's your past. And Jesus said, Therefore, if anyone is in, in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, New things have come. If you're in Christ, the past doesn't matter. The old you is gone. You don't have to hold on to that anymore. So um, in Philippians three thirteen through 14, it says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward on what lies ahead. Press on towards the goal of the prize and the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. If we're, if we're focused on God, then the past won't matter. But if we're focused on ourselves, that's when the past matters. But if you keep your eyes straight, if you focus on God and you don't look back, then the past won't matter. When the Israelites were in Egypt, Jesus, I mean not Jesus, Jesus too, but God, God helped them out. God called them out of Egypt. And they were set free. But right after they were set free, they immediately started looking back and saying, oh, we had this, we had this, we had this. Don't let the past determine your destination. Um, Manny, I'm going to have you come play the keys. So now we have three things. We have offense, we have fear, and we have past. And those are three tricks of the enemy. I believe enemy, the enemy can, it doesn't have to be all three. The enemy can use one of these things to get you to step outside of your calling. And if he has you with one thing, 
then you'll look away. You'll never fulfill the calling that God has for you. I think so many times we get caught up in, in what we can do, our abilities, our strengths, that we miss it. We miss out on the call God has on our life. I just hear God saying, don't let your circumstance determine your destination. Don't let your circumstance determine your destination. You slipped up, but don't let your circumstance determine your destination. You lost something, but don't let your circumstance determine your destination. You've been hurt, but don't let your circumstance determine your destination. Oh, but I've been offended, but don't let your circumstance determine your destination. I've lost all my hope, but don't let your circumstance determine your destination. There's so many times we just, if God just says, keep your eyes on me, but we take our eyes off. We go the other direction. We look the other way. But God's saying, I'm right here. And I think so many times we just miss that. We don't see that. We don't see God's right in front of us. He wants us to be healed. He wants us to be set free. He wants us to have freedom. I just feel like there might be someone in this room who's just been feeling like, Something happened in the past. They, they feel like it's a part of them. They feel like that's who they are, but that's not who you are. What you did yesterday isn't who you are today. What you did a week ago isn't who you are today. What you did a year ago isn't who you are today. So at this time, I'm going to have Pastor John come up. just do this so that you could see what's going on downstairs in D2L. We did this so we can all see that they're just as much a part of this church as the oldest person here. And I have got to, I had to God correct me this morning sitting here because what I've said is this is the future of the church and the Lord says it's not the future of the church, it's now. We did not see teenagers that are small versions of what we do that are growing and maturing. This was full-fledged, all-out, anointed ministry. From the opening note to the very last, I am so thrilled and so proud of what our young people have done this morning. And I want you all to recognize that we are one body together, that God is forming in them and working in them just as much as he's forming in them and working in us. And there is no us and them. This was the message you were going to preach. This is, there is no us and them. There is no upstairs and downstairs. We are one body. The most amazing thing to stand up here and I've had visiting ministers tell me the same thing is to look out on this congregation you don't understand how rare this is to see different ages different colored skins different nationalities all of whom God has brought here and brought us together 
as one. Yes, we have our differences, but we're one spirit. But part of that joining together is the age also, not just our color, not just our natural back, national background. And God has something that, that we need these young people so much because, first of all, they had an energy we don't have. Did you see them in the beginning? <laughs> I need that energy around me because I don't have quite that. I can't come running down. <clears throat> I could do it, but I won't make it all the way down. All right? I can't jump as often as they can jump. But they need us. They need you. They need encouragement. They need you to believe in them just as I believe in them. They, we need each other so desperately. But I just, this was so powerful because this was not any kind of step down in anointing. This was full-fledged, all-out, mature ministry this morning. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And we were going to do this again. It took, as they said, took two months. And he had them here Saturday nights. He had them here working hard. But you see the results they found out how hard it is to do a service. <laughs> but it's their commitment to be here. And I can't say again how much I'm, I'm proud of you guys. So, so proud and so blessed. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So proud of you guys. And again, it's what God's doing in their lives. And I was thinking as I was, as, as he, Brian was finishing his message, those of you that may be here and you don't come very often or maybe you've just shown up today or maybe you know, you've been coming for a little while and, and you've seen something, you realize today, this is how rare this is to see teenagers on fire for Christ who give, not just of a Sunday morning, but give of their Saturday nights, what, the three hours something like that, to prepare to, to come faithfully, even to the point if they couldn't come, they'd send them an email and complain why they couldn't come to come to church and the reason is because they're having an experience with somebody not a church not a social club. They're forming an experience and a relationship with somebody that they're discovering gave his life for them 2,000 years ago. They're discovering that Jesus Christ is real. He's not a doctrine. He's not an historical figure. He's not some name that goes on a church. He is real today. And he gave his life for every one of us. He gave his life for them he gave his life for you. And it is in the forming of that relationship that brings about the change that you're seeing take place in these young people's lives. And that comes through a living relationship with Jesus Christ. As he was ending his physical ministry on this earth, he turned to these 12 men that had been following all along and he said, things are going to change now. And if you've been alive long enough, you know things don't stay the same. They change. My wife and I got a chance to go away just for a night last night, just to get away from Molly. And, uh, <laughs> and just to remind us we're a couple. And, and I was thinking as we had dinner of the men in this church that have 
been so instrumental in my lives and the people that I've known that aren't here anymore because they've gone on before us. The Bible talks about a great cloud of witnesses. And it makes me realize how short and transitory and fast this life is. I look back and it amazes me at, the, at my age that I'm, I can be this old because I don't think of myself as this old. I'm supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> Married almost, this will be 53 years. I don't think of that. It's not real to me because it's happened so fast. Where did it go? It's so quick. And when you're their age,